What's up, guys? Rick from DFS On Demand here with your betting preview for this week's Genesis Invitational. Uh, stacked field. A lot of great players here, so I'm really interested to see how the quote-unquote tournament predictor, that is the new tool that I've pushed to DFS On Demand that I've been talking about and I've been showing over the course of the last couple weeks, Interested to see how it deals with this and all of these guys. Uh, also, we'll show the head-to-head betting matchups tool, and then we'll kind of just talk about like maybe some some gut feels or something like that. So um, let's jump into this and go straight to the tournament predictor. So this is the tool that I reference all the time. This is what I think is a really good place to start. I don't. Like, I'm not following this tool, uh, you know, like scripture or anything like that, right? I mean, it is just a really good starting point to see which golfers are physically capable of uh, getting to the winning score. And right now I have the winning score set to be about 15 strokes gained on the field. Historically, that's a pretty good number uh, for a lot of tournaments, actually. So um, that is the route that I'm going here. Uh, and as you can see, there's some pretty good value up top. Uh, I'm currently using the longest time frame, so I'm going all the way back to October of 2016 for strokes gained, meaning it's using 39 starts for Rory, 56 for JT, because that's how many measured tournaments they've played in that span. So off the bat, um, you know, we look at this, and, and Rory McIlroy, uh, you know, I, I still have him winning or getting to the winning score nearly five and a half percent of the time. Unfortunately, being eight to one or as short as he is, uh, that implies he's going to have to win this about 11.7% of the time, which is not enough. Uh, Justin Thomas, pretty close. I have him getting to the winning score about 8%, but he needs to be there 10%. So he's a slight uh, bad value. John Rahm, uh, if I shorten the time frame, I bet you Rahm gets a lot better here. But for the full time frame, uh, I have John Rahm at about winning or getting to the winning score. 2.6% of the time, but he needs to win it 9% of the time. Let's actually try, let's move this up to um, since January 1st of 2020 and see how it affects Rom. Yeah, it actually doesn't move him all that much. Uh, Rory gets massively better. So if you're only using the, you know, January 1st, 2019, it's it's 16 starts for Rory, it's 20 for JT, it's 19 for John Rahm. Um, Rory does become bettable in this type of situation. I have him getting to the winning score nearly 14% of the time with, again, the win, the implied winning odds, um, you know, a little under 12. So there is a little bit of value there. That is pretty interesting. Uh, I, I generally like to shorten the time frame just a little bit because we're getting, you know, we're still getting 16 measured starts for Rory. That's a big number. And um, it, it really shows how he's playing recently. So we can continue with this January 1st number. And what you'll see is, uh, let's see who else jumps off here. Dustin Johnson. Dustin Johnson was a value in both of these, the long term and the short term. Because he's going to get to the winning score nearly 8% of the time. He's priced to get there to win about 6.5%. That's a value. Patrick Cantlay is a value. Was he a value long-term? He was not. He was very close. But when you shorten this time frame up uh, and move him to his last 19 starts since the beginning of the calendar year of 2019, um, you know Cantlay actually gets to this number quite a bit. And I will tell you... I bet Cantlay already. Um, I got him at 20 to 1, which was a good number. I saw he was 17 now, uh, which is 
you know, what I'm using right now, which is still a good number, meaning he's going to get to that, um, you know, his implied odds are five and a half percent. I have him getting to the winning target score about uh, a little less than 9% of the time. Uh, also just non statistic wise, you know, he has proven he, uh, he can win invitationals in the past. He won the Memorial. Um, this should be a course here at Riviera that fits him very well. So I, I enjoy that. I have Patrick Cantlay here and that this, um, this tool also showed that off. Uh, after that, Brooks is a pretty big one. Now, um, obviously that is on the back of, uh, some really historical performances and now we don't know what, what position, uh, Brooks is in. If I shorten this even more, you know, if I say since, I don't know, June, yeah, I bet you Brooks, uh, Brooks is still a value. I mean, it's a much smaller sample size. It's only eight tournaments. Um, if I shorten it up more than that. So if I go back to like July after, I guess this would have been after like us open after PGA championship, stuff like that. Brooks does, you know, he's no longer a value probably because he just hasn't been all that good recently. And now he's dealing with the knee stuff. So keep that in mind. Uh, real quick, interested, interested to see, uh, Leishman and Justin Rose on this list. I, I, you know, the more I see Leishman, the more interested I get, uh, quite frankly, it's a little bit, um, anecdotal, uh, but at least the numbers back it up here that he's capable of getting to this number about 4% of the time. Um, he's 45 to one to win it. You know, he just won at the farmer's insurance, so it's going to be difficult to back up another win, but, um, his detriment is that he is very inaccurate off the tee. And when you get to a place like Riviera, where everyone is going to be inaccurate off the tee, I wonder if, uh, that just kind of levels the playing field a little bit and kind of brings everybody back down to Leishman. Um, that's one way to look at it. Someone asked me, um, because Kevin Nas shows up here again, and Kevin Nas is going to continue to show up. And someone asked me, Hey, like why like why do you think Kevin Na continues to show up on this list and are you worried about it? Um it's a really good question and it's a great observation. I'm not worried about it because I I I don't have any opinion in this matter. Like this tool is not my opinion. It is literally the historic uh range of outcomes for each one of these golfers. And then you are putting that on a normal distribution model, which is a mathematical calculation. And then you are just using a target score to determine, you know, like your, your, your value of how often they're going to get there. This is probability. So it is, it is no, I'm not concerned about it because it is not my opinion at all. It is just straight math. Um, but I think it's noteworthy because there are a few guys and actually Kevin Streelman, I think, um, he pops up here a lot. And he popped up at some point last week. I don't even know if he's in this field this week. He might not be. Um, but I think he was on this list for, la- for last week at the AT&T Pebble Beach, and he, and he finished in second place. Um, he's in a very similar boat as Kevin Na uh, he, because he pops. So he is going to have Kevin Na, uh, Kevin Streelman. They are going to have really, really bad weeks and a lot of them. But they are going to have really awesome weeks. They're, they are some of the widest range of outcome golfers on the planet, which I guess is good. Like you can see, Kevin Na's ceiling is nearly 16 strokes gained in a tournament. That is more, uh, and I shouldn't say it's his ceiling. That is, he's going to fall between minus 12 strokes gained and plus 16 strokes gained 95% of the time. Um, but 
compare that to Tony Finau, that is higher than Tony Finau's ceiling. It is higher than Bubba Watson's. It is higher than Xander's. Now, those guys are a lot more consistent. Like, Xander's never going to get to minus 12 strokes gain. Like, his his absolute bottom floor, his bottom 5% is, like, minus 5 strokes. So, it is that range of outcomes. So, that is why, like, Kevin Na's, like, generally a pretty good GPP play in fantasy, or he's not a bad outright bet because he's going to snap off and win uh, occasionally. Kevin Na has won twice in his last 15 starts worldwide. That's insane. Um, I'm eyeballing this list here. Besides Rory, JT, and John Rahm, I don't think there is another guy who has won twice in his last 15 starts or multiple times in his last 15 starts. Um, I mean, Tiger might be close if we go... Like, I don't know how many starts it was but for him between the Masters and uh, Zozo. Like, that might, that, I don't know. He, it actually might be more now that we're past the Zozo. Um, but he might be close. But, like, it, it is a very small list of names that are able to do that. So, it is a really good question. And, I, and, I, and I'm trying to use that question to um, really kind of show what this tool is for and how different these golfers are. These golfers are incredibly different. Um, some do it in a very consistent manner. Some do it in a very volatile manner, but when you're betting an outright, the only position you care about is first. I I don't care if he finishes second or 102nd. It doesn't matter. I lose. Um, so it, it, it's kind of okay to take on in certain situations, someone like a Kevin Na, uh, because you know, he's going to pop whatever a handful of times every year. All right. That's, that's my rant on that. Um, I currently have one, two, three, Four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, seventeen, eighteen, nineteen, twenty, twenty-one, twenty-two golfers. You just listened to me count to twenty-two on a podcast or on a video. Twenty-two golfers who have some level of value when using fifteen strokes gained as the target winning score, and using the January first, twenty nineteen to current time frame. Uh, the biggest value is Brooks Kepka, six and a half percent value. Now you have to use your brain and determine if this is a guy that you want to back because his short, very short term stuff has been very, very bad. Um, then Adam Scott and Justin Rose are here. Kind of no surprise there. Patrick Cantlay, Rory. Okay. Those are all the above 2% uh, value guys, meaning they are going to get to the winning target score more often than 2% higher than what their implied win odds are, if that makes sense. Um, so those are pretty strong values. Now, the rest of them, you know, Kevin Nas next, Mark Leishman, that's the the low ones. And then there's like half of these guys are less than 1%. So yes, they show up as values, but like I'm not sprinting to my book to bet Ches Reevy, Sung Kang, Andrew Putnam, Siwoo Kim, you know, some of these guys down here at the bottom. Rory Sabatini, uh, I have him dead even. He's the last guy. Uh, I have him getting to the winning target score 0.4% of the time, and and Vegas has him winning 0.4% of the time. So pretty pretty much of a good good fit there. If you go to the other side of it, um, the worst values, John Rom tends to be a pretty bad value in these situations because a lot of his wins have come in unmeasured rounds, um, which hurts him in this situation. Uh, and while JT still has a massive win target and how he's going to get to the winning score uh, a lot, uh, over 5.5% of the time, his implied odds, his, his, his odds are almost just too short here. So um, those guys are the worst two 
values that you could pick according to this, according to the tournament predictor and the parameters that I have set. Okay, let's move over to the uh, head-to-head betting matchup tool. And let me see if I can find a couple of actual uh, matchups that are available. Here's one. Let's, this is the very first one, and it it is kind of crazy. So let's look at J.B. Holmes, who is your defending champion and probably gets a boost in a lot of situations because of that, and Matthew Fitzpatrick, who I actually kind of like. And actually, okay, let me make sure. I want Matthew Fitzpatrick. Okay. Um, so I've got Matthew Fitzpatrick winning this head-to-head 63% of the time. Uh, which is a pretty staggering number. Uh, JB Holmes, you know, outside of the last couple of weeks where he's finished in the top 20, um, has not been good. So we're, we're again using that same time frame of January 1st, 2019 to current. Uh, JB Holmes has a lot more rounds and a lot more bad rounds. Uh, Matthew Fitzpatrick plays a lot more internationally and he's played well internationally. I think he's got five top tens, I want to say, in his last seven starts worldwide. So. The fact that this is an even, uh, a coin flip on the book that I'm looking at right now, both of them are minus 110, and I've got Matthew Fitzpatrick winning this 63% of the time in a four-round matchup, uh, that is probably a pretty good bet for Matthew Fitzpatrick, so I'll probably have to book him. Let's see who else we might have here. Uh, here's a good one. Both minus 110 again. Uh, Tiger Woods, I think you've heard of him, and Patrick Cantlay, who I, you know, I really like this week. He's going to be my one and done, I assume, and I'm, I've already bet him. Um, I, I actually have Cantlay winning this as well. So both are are gaining over one stroke per um, per round in, in terms of strokes gain total. Uh, Cantlay, I have winning this 64% of the time. Now, this is probably skewed a little bit because we don't have the strokes gain data out of the Zozo, which is a an event that obviously Tiger has that Tiger won. So he would get kind of penalized for that. But uh, even if you ramp Tiger up on that, I'm not sure he closes the gap of 64% to 35%, which is what we're seeing right now. So this is probably much closer to being even than what this model is showing. So maybe it is just a, a no bet there. Uh, Rory versus JT. Here's a good one. So Rory, I imagine is going to like Rory's strokes gain numbers are absolutely insane. Um, let's see what Justin Thomas has. Yeah. So Rory, um, 64% to JT's 35%. Uh, Rory is a favorite here. So Rory is a minus 130 favorite to JT's plus 110, meaning that, uh, so, so really, you know, I have Rory's true money line being probably closer to, to minus 180. That doesn't include any juice or anything like that. But um, what Rory has done over the last year is really, really wild stuff. Uh, he just doesn't have any bad – he doesn't have any bad weeks. So um, no surprise to kind of see this skewed that way. So I, I would probably bet Rory in this situation. I would have bet Fitzpatrick versus JB, and I probably would have done a no bet on Tiger and Cantlay. Um so you can go through these. I mean, there's a lot. Uh, I'm looking at a lot online right now. Um, you know, just off like my hunch, Nick Taylor versus Charles Howe the uh, third. Nick Taylor's a minus one twenty favorite. That is probably just because he won last week. If he didn't win last week, he's probably not even not even in a matchup. Uh, but you can go through this on DFS on demand. Go through this head to head betting matchup tool and see um, if any of these pique your interest. And then while I have you, um, let me just see if there are any. Um, actually here's what i can do 
I want to show you this too, because I think this is really cool for um, like first round leader bets now that we have tea times. So I'm just going to go to the showdown cheat sheet on DFS on demand, which um, is not only uh, going to show you, you know, after each round of the tournament, I update this and it shows you how they're playing in this tournament in each of the strokes gain categories versus um, what their base, what, what each golfer's baseline is. And it kind of tells you what we would expect out of them. And then it puts them up on this chart to say, oh, they are just, you know, they're hitting the ball really well and they're getting unlucky putting. That's like the great combination that you want to target for the next round. Or they're they're hitting the ball really bad and they're getting really lucky putting. Those are the guys you want to avoid. That's probably hard to sustain. So after each round, this this chart updates here. So it's blank right now. But what I have down here at the bottom um, for you showdown guys and for your first round leader bets is um, uh, strokes gain numbers by each round of the tournament. So round one obviously would come in handy for not only round one showdown, but for uh, first round leaders. And there's there's two ways to look at this. Um, I have the guys who are just the raw, like, hey, these guys play well in the first round. And Eric Van Ruen actually leads the way. He gains over two and a half uh, strokes per round. However, that's only five tournaments. That's five measured first rounds is what he has. John Rahm, almost two and a half strokes per round in 46 round ones. That's a much larger sample size. And you'll notice a lot of these guys are the big name, are the big name golfers. Like Rom, DJ, Rose, JT, they play well at, you know, almost any round. But then you can compare it to um what their what their real baseline is. So Rom, yes, he does gain a ton every single round, but he is nearly a shot better in round one than he is on his average. He's he's over a half a shot worse in the second round. Um, there could be a lot of reasons for that. Some guys just like to start fast. It could be a coincidence. That is kind of up to you. This is just the raw data, but John Rahm is not only awesome, uh, but he is awesome compared to like, if there was such a thing of like second round leader, like, or, or, or who's going to shoot the round of the day in the second round, like might not play John Rahm there, but I would definitely play him in the first round. Um, and then if you can, you can go down and you can get some, I, I like to sort by the difference here. And this is where you start to get some of these more value plays. So uh, someone like Sebastian Munoz, who, yes, he, he's, you know, even on his best day, might not beat um, might not beat John Rahm's round one, you just total strokes gained. However, he's almost a shot and a half better in round one than his actual average. So if he, if, if there's something to this, if he gets it going in, 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 you know, he's a morning person or he likes to get off to a hot start and he just can't hold on to it. Um, if there's something there, he's 160 to one to be your first round leader. Abraham answers another guy. Uh, Abraham answer is uh, 45 to one to be your first round leader. He gains a stroke more in round one than his baseline. I mean, Alex Norin is here. I bet you I can get Norin pretty deep. 75 to one in first round leader. Uh, who else? Kucher always jumps out to a lead. You don't get a super great number on him or any of these big names. If you're trying to look for some, some long shots, uh, who else here? I'm trying to, I'm trying to find guys who are play, play well a lot. And then, I mean, Keegan's always here. Uh, what about Putnam? Uh, Putnam is gaining a stroke and a half per first round, which is a pretty big number. And he's 125 to one to be your first round leader. So th these are the types of trends that I would look at. Um, I am working on a, a more official first round leader tool with tee times and stuff like that. But um, this is a really good place and it's been successful for me uh, over the past handful of months. 
All right. I think that'll do it. We did outrights. We did uh, some matchups. We even did first round leader. Let me know what you think about this. Tweet me. It's at Rick Rungood or leave a comment below. Talk to you guys soon. Good luck.